Welcome to Pod Planet, a place where things happen that may sound unbelievable, strange, incredible. If you've ever wondered if you were weird or strange or the odd man out, these stories will restore your belief that there are indeed people out there who are weirder, stranger, and odder than you ever imagined. Perhaps you'll find some comfort in that. Bear in mind, Every story from Pod Planet is between 83 and 100% true. These are stories we have experienced, survived, and lived to tell about. Let us begin. Pod Planet presents Mid by Midwest. When I was a kid, every August my family would escape the heat of a Midwest summer and head for the mountains of Colorado. My grandparents began this tradition in the 1930s. Then, they started taking their kids, and when their kids started having kids, they began bringing us, the grandchildren, with them to Colorado. We stayed at a ranch in a group of old log cabins built sometime during the Harding administration. Other families stayed there too, some of whom had also been going for years. The ranch was in a pine forest, elevation 9,000 feet or so, in Rocky Mountain National Park. Behind the ranch was a mountain range of 11,000 feet, and in front of us, two mountain peaks that were about 14,000 feet. In other words, we were in the middle of nowhere. A beautiful middle of nowhere, but still the middle of nowhere. So we hiked, we swam, we went for day-long horseback rides. But as I reached adolescence, the thing I really began looking forward to was taking a trip down into town. Usually, I'd be accompanied by a summer friend I'd made at the ranch. This particular year's friend was Bob Sleisenberg, whose family lived in Los Angeles. You know, the one in California. When we take a trip into town, our mothers would drive. The moms would go off shopping in the village or get their hair done and arrange to meet us back in the car in a couple of hours. Two hours of freedom. Enough time to allow me and my friend Bob Sleisenberg from Los Angeles to hike our way to a place called Dave's Rock Shop and then hike back into town. Dave's was important because aside from their collection of fossils and petrified wood, Dave sold what amounted to the Holy Grail for pre-teen boys. Fireworks. Dangerous fireworks. Fireworks disapproved of by our parents. Disapproved of by the ranch owners. Prohibited by the National Park Fire Rangers. And illegal in at least 37 states, including the states my friend and I came from. But breaking the law, that was only a minor concern to a couple of 12-year-olds who were on a pyrotechnic mission from God. So we pooled our money, bought as many explosives as we could fit into our backpacks, and headed back into the village to, eventually, meet our parents. Walking along the same shoulder of the highway we had used to get to Dave's rock shop, Bob Sleisenberg and I happened to look down to the right. There, in the sunlight, was a mountain stream. More importantly, on the stream's bank, Only steps away from us was a giant flat-topped granite boulder. 
And even more importantly, this particular flat top boulder was covered with snakes. Big snakes. Brown snakes. How many? 75, 80, it didn't matter. We scrambled down the gravel embankment to the boulder and we each grabbed two handfuls of snakes. The snakes had been dozing in the sun and after we grabbed them, they seemed pretty active and not terribly happy. Were these snakes dangerous? Were they poisonous? Might these snakes have given us Rocky Mountain spotted fever or hantavirus? Or maybe something even worse, like leprosy? These aren't the sort of questions 12-year-olds would ask each other. Instead, we proudly walked back into the village with the fireworks in our backpacks and both hands full of brown, increasingly aggressive snakes. We looked like we'd pulled Medusa's hair from her head. The first place we came to in the village was a small local grocery store. We walked into the grocery, holding up our snakes, and asked the checkout person if we could please have a bag to put the snakes in. I don't remember her asking if we preferred paper or plastic. She just handed us a bag and stared at us like she was Shelley Duvall in The Shining. So my friend Bob Sleisenberg and I put the snakes in a grocery bag. It was paper, by the way. And met our mothers back at the car right on time. The fireworks we'd purchased, well, we had a plan for those. We'd split them up, take them back to our hometowns, and sell them at a profit. As for the snakes, well, we had no real plan for the snakes, but there was plenty of time to figure that out. So Bob Sleisenberg and I, we stowed the fireworks and the bag of snakes in the trunk of the car and headed back up the mountains to the ranch. In the cabin where my family stayed, I had my own room and bathroom with a shower and a clawfoot tub. My summer friend Bob Sleisenberg and I put an inch or so of water in the tub. Then we put our 15 to 20 snakes in the bath. And that's where the snakes lived for the next few days, in my bathroom, while we devised a seemingly foolproof plan. Bob Sleisenberg said he knew of a pet store in Los Angeles where he could probably sell the snakes and we'd split the proceeds. In the meantime, we just had to figure out what to feed them. So we went down to the ranch's horse pond and caught some of those little blue and yellow striped salamanders. The snakes must have enjoyed them. We put the salamanders in the bathtub with the snakes that morning and the salamanders were gone by the afternoon. A couple of days later, I went looking for Bob. It turned out the Sleisenberg family had left to return to Los Angeles. Bob Sleisenberg had already taken his fireworks. But the snakes he was going to sell at the pet shop for us? They were still lounging in my bathtub. Problem was, my family was leaving to return home in a couple of hours, and I didn't have a pet store back home to sell them to. So I went back down to the horse pond, got a couple more salamanders, and made sure the snakes were well fed. Then my family piled into the car and left Colorado for the two-day drive back to the Midwest. And the snakes? Well, I left them behind. Fifteen or twenty big brown snakes, enjoying themselves in my bathtub, waiting to be discovered by a ranch employee who had been assigned to clean our cabin before the next family arrived. To that unlucky housekeeping staff member at the ranch, whose responsibility it was to deal with my bathtub full of snakes, please accept my belated apologies. 
And as for the snakes, does anyone really know how to thank a snake? I couldn't shake their hands. I couldn't give them a high five. I thought about sending them a thank you note, but I figured they'd have trouble opening the envelope. I can only hope they found a good home, down by the ranch's horse pond, basking in the sun, making friends with the blue and yellow salamanders, and waiting to greet me at the ranch when I returned next summer. You've been listening to Pod Planet Season 1. Pod Planet is written and produced by Peter McHugh and Clive Desmond. Audio and digital support for Pod Planet comes from Oliver Wickham and Aidan Vickery, two of the best and brightest young minds in audio today. Theme music for Pod Planet Season 1 was composed and produced by Richard Suddy, aka Telegraphy, from Detroit. Look for Telegraphy's FMA link in the credits section of our webpage. Richard Suddy is an amazing artist, and you'll want to hear more telegraphy. Every Pod Planet episode contains some fantastic original music, much of which is courtesy FMA. If you'd like to hear or know more about the composers from this or any episode of Pod Planet, look for their links in the episode credits section of our webpage. These musicians are amazing, and you'll want to take a listen to their work. And special thanks again to FMA.org. And if you haven't subscribed to Pod Planet yet, Subscribe now. Go to our webpage, podplanet.org, podplanet's one word, and click on subscribe or hit follow on whatever podcatcher app you're using. You'll find Podplanet on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, Lipson, YouTube, and many others. And follow Podplanet on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Links on our webpage. Podplanet is part of PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. So if you're a radio station that would like to add Pod Planet to your schedule, look us up at prx.org. PRX can set it all up. We love to hear from listeners, so please leave your thoughts or questions in the comments section on our webpage. And be sure to recommend Pod Planet to your friends. Send them our link, podplanet.org. Pod Planet would like to thank Lydia, Lola, and Tattoo Sound and Music in Toronto, as well as extra special thanks to Monique Kelly for her guidance, insight, and never-ending support. This is Pod Planet Season 1. We'll be back in two weeks with a new and startling episode. Until then, on behalf of Peter McHugh and the whole Pod Planet team, thanks for listening. I'm Clive Desmond. <laughs>